Hi, everyone. This is Erica Plankhagen, the Communications Manager for the Presbytery of Southern New England, and this is our podcast, Connecting Our Conversations. Um, it's our space for conversations that push the edges of our faith and help us to deepen our discipleship by sharing the stories of our presbytery. Today, I'm talking with the Reverend Dr. Terilyn Curry-Avery, which is always a pleasure, and I am, I'm so looking forward to this conversation today. Terilyn is the pastor at Martin Luther King Jr. Community Presbyterian Church at, in Springfield, Massachusetts, and I am just going to say personally, I'm lucky she also serves on our personnel committee, and as I am staff at the Presbytery, I get to benefit from her, her wisdom and, and her friendship often, and so lucky me. <laughs> Terilyn, um, I was hoping you could introduce yourself a little bit, how kind of what brought you to our presbytery and how long you've been here and, and what your current space is in our presbytery. So first, Erica, I'm, I'm so delighted to have this conversation with you as well. And I want to make one correction. I'm actually oh, sure. on the personnel committee. Oh, nominating committee. Nominating but, committee. I knew that I, I talked to you. Yes. But you know what? You talked to mm-hmm. me because I was one of the people uh, who's responsible for hiring you. So that's how, oh. that's, that's well, how we connected. Extra I, I was on that committee. Um, <laughs> so Erica, I have been, gosh, how long have I been in this presbytery? I think since maybe 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. even though I've lived in Connecticut for over 20 years, I actually was in the Long Island Presbytery. I was under care there during my whole time that I was a student at Yale Divinity School. I was connected with a church there, so I just remained under care there. And um, after that time, I pastored a church for four years in Elmont, New York, and I traveled back and forth from Connecticut to Elmont every weekend to do that. Oh my gosh. And then when my uh, oldest was a high school student, I said, I can't, I can't be on the road and try to manage her sports and her this and her that, you know, lots of things that happen on the weekend. And I just made the decision to come off the road. And then at that time, I became a part of this presbytery and, you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. (laughs) So um, was your first uh, call in our presbytery to MLK? No, actually, I, well, my first call as an install pastor, but I served as the interim pastor for St. Andrew Presbyterian Church from, I was their bridge pastor in 2015, and then I became their interim pastor in the fall of 2015, and Mm -hmm. I served there for two years until 2017. And at that point, um, you know, an elder from MLK, Lisa Baker, who would see me in Presbytery, right? Because, you know, uh, there are not that many African American uh, pastors in this Presbytery. So uh, I think at the time, uh, Reverend Siobhan was already pastoring a church up in Providence. And so Lisa would see me at Presbytery and she just started saying, you know, now we're looking for a pastor. And I said, well, you know, I have, to, I have to pray about that. And I said, I will come up and I will do some pulpit supply, which I initially started as doing pulpit supply. And then another opportunity came up mm-hmm. for me to, to be a little bit uh, more than a pulpit supply. And so for 
about uh, three years, I served, the term was a really interim pastor, because as you know, if you're an interim pastor in the Presbytery tradition, you really can't be mm-hmm. an installed pastor with few, with some exceptions, of course. Um, but I really was sort of serving as a member of, you know, like on the Presbytery, but serving in their, that particular church. And so um, we felt that it was important for there not to be this sort of temporary name in front of pastor. So we mm. you know, informally would say, oh, she's the interim pastor. But for me, anyone who knows me, that interim means that I'm I'm in there and we're doing the work that we need to do. So for sure. Yeah, it wasn't like I'm serving temporarily for you. I was already serving as their pastor. So we also felt it would be really good for the church if I were the install pastor. And it made such a difference mm-hmm. to really step into that that pastorate in that way. And it made a difference for the church because the church had been without an installed pastor for over 18 years. So nearly two decades. And so if you can imagine a church not having that, that leadership Mm -hmm. and, um, and so it just made a difference to them as well. I love them uh, no matter what, uh, but but now, as we say, we're married because that's really yeah. what installation is like, right? <laughs> Ordination and installation is is like you're you're married. So, For sure. uh, so yeah, that's what it's like at this point. I am really hit by the faithfulness of that community to be that long without an installed pastor and to to reach out and be like, you know, come and come and pastor us and come and and that. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just very very hit by by their trust in, in God and in that, that something is coming, that, that, that it'll be built. That's I beautiful. Think that they are amazing because the, the people who are there now, they have been there through, you know, temporary pastors coming in. They've been there through uh, when times were good with the Presbytery time, when times were not so good right. with the Presbytery, when there hasn't been the uh, involvement that there needed to be. And they have said, but we're still here because this is our faith community. And yes, we do trust God that one day there will be a person to come in who mm-hmm will lead and who will be our shepherd for however long that is. And so I think that they are some of the most amazing, amazing people. Well, I, um, I was honored to get to be the admin host on the zoom for your installation service. And it was one of the most joyful services I've ever seen and watching the faces of your, of that community. And, and it's making more sense now what yeah. I was watching there. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my goodness, Erica. So, so you just you just sent chills through me because I haven't gone back to watch it. I just know what mm. the experience was like for me, even down to for me as one called by God to be a teaching uh, servant. I just remember when I was being anointed, how mm. overwhelming that was for me. I'm not a person who cries very easily, but even at my ordination, I, the anointing brought up things for me. And, and even here during this time, because 
it is like a continuous recommitment to God that I am going to serve you. And even when JC was asking the, the questions, those, those, those questions that we're so familiar with, because we ask those questions when we're ordaining and installing officers of the church, but the look in her eye, mm. when she started to ask me the question and she turned and she looked at me and she said, you ready, Terrilyn? And, and even I'm getting, again, a chill, just thinking about this because it's like, yes, I'm ready to step into this. It's, it's a continuous. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And so it takes us out of just the daily routine of serving, but to say, yes, Lord, I'm committing to you one more time by this call that you're asking me to do, because each call is very different. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I got chills. That was beautiful. <laughs> so, um, this is the Advent season when we are recording this, and I realized we're heading into the anniversary of the fire at Martin Luther King Community Church. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about what this season might be bringing up for you all and about where you are and, and where you sort of see yourself going. Mm. So it's so interesting because the first thing that comes up for me is that our church was burned right after Advent last year. Right. And I think about December 28th, right after this birth of Christ. And so we'd been uh, in this place where we're talking about where are we going into the future? And, you know, Advent is all about hope, peace, joy, and love. And I remember when the church burned, understanding very clearly and sending the message very clearly is that a church building burned. But everything that we talked about before Advent and all the time that I've been here, mm-hmm. this is where the rubber meets the road. That we are not just talking about something on this um, metaphorical level. This is real. This is Mm -hmm. the lived uh, experience of Advent. And so as we are going into this Advent season, we are reflecting on our year. But I have to tell you, we're looking towards where we're going in the future as a ministry but we're not necessarily looking behind us mm-hmm. as, oh, this happened. And we'll have some time in which we honor that space, of course. But our hope is in the future. God is doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. And my focus for us as a church is about what is the new thing that God is doing. And so the approach that I take in terms of being um, the shepherd at this particular time is, Having folks to think about what is God doing in your life individually, because the Mm -hmm. only way for us to move forward in a ministry is to do the transformative work that we need to do as servants of God. And then that helps us to build the new ministry that we're building, because I believe our church burning down. Yes, it was the result of a hate crime, but it is also representative of God saying, I'm doing a new work in you. So don't live in the past of what was yeah. there and honor those traditions. But, you know, 
The Bible says that in all things, God works together for the good. That fire was not a good situation, but what God is going to bring out of that. So as a church, we're looking into the future to say, hey, what is it that God wants us to do? What is the ministry God wants us to have in Springfield? Mm -hmm. Were there things that we weren't doing before that God is saying, now I want you to to do this, right? Mm -hmm. COVID is going on. Everything is going on. But how are you going to show up? How are you going to show up? I feel like that's something everyone in our presbytery needs to be wrestling with right now. Like you all have a very concrete uh, lived embodied existence with that right now. Yes. But we are all trying to figure out what this new church, this new thing God is doing. And I think we all, since we can't go back to the way we did things before the pandemic or in the 20th century or back in the 1950s or, you know, like there's, yes. I think we're all kind of sensing that that's not going to work anymore. Mm. So what do you, what is God transforming in you? That's right. That's right. And here's the beauty of, if we can say the beauty in this experience, right? Is that if we had a church building there, we might be more tempted to stay stuck in our ways. Mm. But this forces us to think differently, just like COVID forces us to think differently. I now have to think about the safety of, of the parishioners with COVID, right? And so how do we think outside of the box for that? And in the same way with the rebuild of this church, now I have to think about, which is something that all of us need to wrestle with in this presbytery, how are we getting young people into church? How are we keeping young people in mm-hmm. church? So with the rebuild of this new ministry and being forced to think about a building being different now than it was before, how do we design a building that will accommodate new programs that we want to make sure we'll have our young people to come back to Mm -hmm. church? Yeah. Oh, the youngs. (laughs) It is the number one question people ask me. both as a communicator and as um, I'm preparing for ordained ministry in my own denomination in the Episcopal Church. And everyone goes, how are you going to get these young people here? And you are right. You can't do it by doubling down on, on the infrastructure physically and kind of mentally That's of right. before. That's not the way to do it. It's not the way to do it because I know that even before COVID, young people, and by young people, I'm not even talking about Teenagers, I'm talking about 20s, 30s, 40s. That's the, all of that group. They were already going to church online and feeling like they were being fed online. It is up to us, those people who understand the importance of a faith community. It's up to us to say, look, but you are still missing something when you don't gather together as a faith community. And right. they need to understand that what, what they're missing is godly and sacred and holiness. But unfortunately for too many of our churches, what they see is the hurt that's in churches. They see the people who are stuck in their ways, the people who are not willing to accept them the way they are coming in. And they don't want that. Why would they? Yeah, Right. Why would they? And so it's our opportunity to say, 
how will I manifest God and Christ to them? Because that's what we are. We're the manifestation of God. And if we're coming into church and holding on to our rules and regulations and our status, or I'm in charge of this, I'm in charge of that, and not being willing to listen to the type of music that they want to come in or not giving a message in the way that they can hear it, why would they come? That last part is so key that if you are taught, if you are giving your message in a way that people cannot receive it, the problem is not with the people who can't get it. The problem is how you are, are delivering your message. That is so huge. That's right. Yeah. Mm. And, and it means that the people who've been used to listen, to, listening to a message in a particular way, mm-hmm. they have to open up. And so for me, what I really love and value about uh, the parishioners that I serve is because they are so open to the different ways that mm. I do service. I don't have anybody going, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, Pastor. Because there's a trust that I'm going to deliver something to them mm-hmm. in a way that they will be fed. So I will suddenly change service on a Sunday morning and do something different. And they're there. I, I never hear complaints about it. Now, that doesn't mean somebody. There might be somebody, but I think what happens is they're never surprised about what I'm going to do because they know that I entered the space differently. Mm -hmm. So they just said, okay. And, and they grow from it, Mm -hmm. right? They, they, they grow from it. And so I love and appreciate them so much. I encourage people who are listening or watching this now to check out one of your services on Sundays through, I, I check out the Facebook live stream a lot just to see what it's like to have people really engaged in this format. It's, it's not passive what your community is doing there. They are, they are active and in it. And um, it is a beautiful thing. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Mm. We, we love, uh, we love going deeper in our connection with God and we love praising and we love, and, and, you know, they're just different ways. And if you look at the Zoom, you see some people are just sitting there. Some people are clapping. Some people are in. And that's what I love is that there is this ability to be who you are mm-hmm. as a child of God and allow spirit to move you in that way. And just to be open to whatever way that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminded me of... Um... I, I used to run in my church, we called Altar Guild. I'm not sure what it's called in the preservative context, but it's the person who's, it's the group that sets up for the service. So making sure the, you know, the colors are right on the vestments and the candles and all that. And I used to say, whatever happens will be good church. Like there's, there's no way we can show up here together and have it be bad. That's whatever right. happens is, is going to be okay. It's not about having it perfect. It's about us being there. Well, and I I love that you're saying it's not about it being perfect because, you know, with technology, we have a few issues that happen. (laughs) Sometimes we just have to wait through it. They'll they'll be back. You know, if if it's somebody who's doing something in the service and their camera goes off all of a sudden, we can sit in the silence and we can be patient with it. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that's what the radical revolutionary Jesus was all about. Not about the perfect person. Mm -mm. And I think that, you know, I've been Presbyterian for four generations, so I know about decently and orderly, but what I also know about is grace. 
Mm. And I don't believe that we offer grace as much as we should in church. Mm. And that binds us and does not allow us to experience God at the deepest level because we're too stuck in perfection and too stuck in the way it should be done. Mm. Yeah, I just want that to float out. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm going to ask you what probably, it's going to sound too practical, but I mean, what are y'all doing for Christmas Eve? Like, what does that look like for what you're doing this year? Oh my goodness, Erica. I'm asking God the same question. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so so last Christmas Eve, and I would encourage anybody who can to go on our YouTube page. I had all young people, and they weren't members of the church, but I had all young people on the service. It was so beautiful. There were people on from Ohio, from Washington, D.C., from New York, from uh, Connecticut, where I am. I just, it was just young folks that I knew. And we took the story of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And each person um, talked about immigration, homelessness, racism, poverty, they, I just assign each young person something, something to think about as it related to the story, because that story is all about that. Yes, it is. And in between, we had wonderful music, you know, um, all around Christmas. I don't know what we're going to do this year because we already did that last year. And, and so people are like, what are we doing? What are we doing, Pastor? And I woke up this morning saying, God, what's the plan? What is mm. the plan? Because it was so beautiful to see what these young people did. I just told them, look, this is your topic and you figure it out. <laughs> and they did. They, they were all college age or above. And uh, it was just, it was so beautiful. And I'm, and I'm just like, okay, God, because I don't want it just to be me for Christmas Eve. Right. Who wants to hear me? You hear me every Sunday. <laughs> I want to also hear something different. So I wish I could say, but it's going to be special, whatever it is. And I hope that folks will tune in. Mm -hmm. uh, they can tune in through Facebook Live or they can um, call the office for the, the link. But we're going to do something dynamic. And, and it's going to be something that includes the, the young people expressing what Christmas is to them and how we interpret and understand Christmas in 2021, because that's what it means to look at the scriptures and to make them come alive, to say, how are they relevant in this time and space? I mean, we're supposed to be reformed and ever reforming, right? That Correct. <laughs> so that means that we need to look at the scriptures in light of what's happening today. Where we are now. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a very, um, you mentioned Advents about, you know, hope and peace and, and it is, but I also think there's a slight unsettledness to Advent to 
preparing for something that we don't even know what we're preparing for yet. So I think how you just described Christmas Eve coming up, I think that is very where we are right now. It is on very, on a lot of levels, (laughs) we are, we are preparing and we are trying to see what God is calling us into. And we do not know what it's going to look like. Yes. And I, and that's the Holy Spirit too. Yeah. Yeah. Being present. And I have lots of moments like that when I'm saying, you know, God, what is it that you want me to say to people every Sunday? I'm like, what, what, what do you want me to say, God? Even when I might have a scripture that's there and I'm meditating on it and thinking about it. But then there are times where I don't have one because I'm not one of these pastors. I will do it sometime. I'll plan out a series, but I can't tell you six months from now what I'm going to preach on because mm-hmm. I availed myself to, to what's happening. Listen, if we go back and look at last year, mm-hmm. you know, I had no idea what was around the corner. Mm-mm. No idea. I just remember, you know, I remember how I ended my sermon on that Sunday. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a call that, hey, pastor, the church burned. We never know. Never know. But here's the thing that we do. We trust God through it all. Amen. Oh, Terilyn, I could talk to you all day, but I think we should. That's I can't think of a more perfect way to end than that. So we yes. should probably let that be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs>